Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm so happy that you found your way to this podcast today. We're in a new series entitled Living Counterculture. So let's get right to it. Living counterculture, whatever are we talking about when we say that? Well, you'll find, and if you go back and listen to last week's episode, it's explained in more detail, but you'll find that if you're intending to have a normal life going forward, that it will be increasingly against the culture that is rapidly developing around us. We no longer live in the the culture that we grew up in, especially in America, but that's true in many places around the world when you think about Western civilization. Now, in this series, we're talking about what it means to, to swim upstream, what it means to go against the flow, to to live in a direction that you believe is is right for you based on the Word of God as opposed to what society and the, the attitude of the world system around us would tell us to do. Now, living counterculture means focus on the families. Titus had a problem. Titus was a helper to Paul the missionary. Titus had been left on an island uh, on purpose, (laughs) and Titus had a problem, and its name was Crete, the island of Crete that still exists, obviously, in the Mediterranean Sea. It is the fourth largest island in that, that area. So Crete was the walking definition of a failed culture. They had failed in terms of family and business, pretty much like today. So Titus had a problem. He had been left on the island of Crete by the Apostle Paul to fix this problem among the new believers, the new churches on the island of Crete. In fact, the the term that was used there as to what he was to do is the same term for uh, used in Greek for setting a bone. That's how serious the problem was. You see, the Cretes, had got to the point that they were pretty much described by their own poet, Epimenides, as lazy, they were useless, and pretty much detrimental, uh, just like we see so often in the world around us today. And you know what the solution was? And we'll get into this as we go further. Titus was to be a pattern for older men, older women, younger men, and younger women that they could follow. Now, you might be asking yourself, why, Pastor Ed, where could we ever find groups like this of older men, older women, younger men, and women? Uh, Zip recruiter? No, I don't think so. (laughs) I notice, though, that families are full of these type of people, and churches are full of families. Living counterculture now means that all you have to do is start and grow a normal family. Why do I say that? Well, if you have been blissfully asleep at the switch, while you were asleep, like Rip Van Winkle in 2020, a revolutionary Marxist movement 
has begun in the United States. It was there already, but it's, it's just flamed up into full flame in America. And we see it in Western Europe as well, really throughout the world. It is a, a war against what we would call Western civilization. Pretty much everything that's made life livable and bearable that's good, they think is bad, and it needs to be gotten rid of. It is the publicly and openly stated goal of all these Marxist revolutionary movements hard at work right now in America to, number one, destroy the patriarchy, and number two, destroy the nuclear family. Pick out any of them, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, any other group that, that I can't even name right now, but you can search for them. This is part of their stated goals. Yet God says exactly the opposite. God says that Titus, in order to fix all the problems among the new Christians and these new churches on the island of Crete, that he is to be a pattern for older men, older women, younger men, and younger women, obviously in families, focus on the families and build them up. Do not tear them down. But we should know this. It's not enough to stop the bad examples, which Titus had to do, as we saw at the end of chapter 1 last week, uh, Paul said under the inspiration of the Spirit that Titus was to stop the mouths of those who were teaching unsound doctrine and setting bad examples. But it's not enough just to stop the bad examples. For example, if, if we could stop all of this revolutionary Marxist nonsense going on today in our country, well, that would be a good first step, but it's not enough. We have to provide good examples for older men, older women, younger men, and younger women to follow, and that is the key. That's important. The oldest methodology for doing this is what doctors have done for centuries, I'm sure. When a young man or young woman wants to be a doctor, let's say they want to be a surgeon, the rule has always been watch one, do one, teach one. What does that mean? Well, let's say in the, the case of somebody who is studying to be a surgeon, the best methodology is to watch another surgeon who's an expert watch him do that surgery. But that by itself is not enough because the next step is this new medical trainee, this new surgeon in training has to do one. He has to do that surgery under the mentorship of an expert. But that's not enough either because if the uh, medical advancements that we've achieved are to be continued to the next generation, then he must teach one. That is, he must take someone who needs to learn this, how to do a particular surgery, and teach them. Watch one, do one, teach one. 
Now the Apostle Paul, we know from Scripture that he had a trade. He had a way to support himself, to earn a living. The rabbis taught that if a man did not teach his son a trade, he pretty much was setting him up to fail in life. Even if that guy was going to be a priest, he still needed to have a trade. Well, Paul had one. Some of you may be shocked about this, but he did have one. He was what he called himself a tent maker. He worked with leather. Apparently, he helped make tents and other items out of leather, awnings and something to provide shade and various things like that. Well, he had a trade. Now, let me ask you a question. I want you to put your your thinking cap on. I know you're tired. Put it on anyway. Think about Paul having a trade. Do you think each time Paul made a tent that he just winged it? Or do you think that Paul used an accurate pattern? Now, I know that my listeners are among the smartest people in America and around the world, and I know that you know correctly that, of course, Paul didn't just start, you know, cutting through leather and sew something together and hope a tent, you know, came out of that. Of course, Paul had an accurate pattern to follow, and you'd be right. I'm pretty sure that Paul followed known, proven patterns. Let me ask you another thing. Have you ever tried to do do it yourself, do some type of home project? And I know several of you listening are, are great at this, and, and really you could do it for a living. You're just great. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I'm talking to the rest of us. Have you noticed that there's a muscle memory, so to speak, with tradesmen like carpenters, plumbers, people who install flooring, roofing, painters? There, there's a muscle memory among tradesmen where they can do the work quickly, and yet if you try to do it, it takes you days, and it looks just awful, like Don Imus used to say, just awful. I'm just saying. Now, we need to think about this, folks. When we talk about living counterculture and focus on the families as a solution for the the destruction we see all around us, don't overthink this. The key here is just give folks the right example to follow and then encourage them and they will be able to follow it and, and be able to achieve the type of family that they desire. Now, it's easier than you think because in our culture, the bar is set so low that perfection is not required. All you need to do is just be normal. This is becoming easier and easier for you and your family to stand out. Just don't go with where the world system is going. The the zeitgeist of the age, the thinking of the age, don't follow these Marxist revolutionary nuts who are going to lead to destruction. Just follow the pattern. 
And the pattern is right here in Scripture, and we're going to look at it today. Well, I don't know if I can do it, Pastor Ed. Hey, come on. Don't talk like that. Of course, with God's help, you can do it. And you know what builds confidence? Preparation. Preparation. You, you begin to study this pattern and you become more confident like, well, I'm already doing a good bit of this, but I need to work on this or I need to work on that. Great. That's preparation. But do you know what is empowered by preparation? Repetition. When, when you prepare, your confidence goes up. And when you're confident and prepared, you are empowering repetition. That is, that if you did it once, you can do it again. And repetition is the mother of all skills. Hey, write that down. Repetition is the mother of all skills. Well, Titus was given this job of straightening out, not the whole island of Crete, he was only given the job of straightening out the, the mess that had occurred in the new churches among the new believers on the island of Crete. That was his job. And we read it last week, but I want to read this again in case you missed it. And I'm just going to read through it without comment. But you'll notice at the end of chapter 1, Paul is uh, telling Titus there that not only is he to, to raise up those who can help set the proper patterns, the pastors of the churches, and then they can all work with the families, the older men, older women, younger men, and younger women, and help the church and help those families. Not only is, is that to be done, but he is to shut the mouths of those who are creating problems. But again... Just to do that is not enough. It has to go into chapter 2, which we're going to go to today, and begin to establish the patterns to be followed by those in the families as they focus on the families. All right, so let's just read through. Starting in chapter 1 of Titus, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, mine own son after the common faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, 
temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he, he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Under the pure, all things are pure. But under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. All right, now we're going to go to Titus 2, verses 1 through 15. I'm going to read it all the way through to the end of this chapter. So Titus is told here, you have to ordain pastors for every city, and then you have to shut the mouths of those who are creating havoc in the churches, and then he is to focus on the families, and this is where we start in Titus 2, verses 1 through 15. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience, that aged women likewise, that the aged women likewise, rather, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, in this present world, looking for that blessed hope 
and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Now, I want to read that same passage right away from the New American Standard Bible. It will help define some of the words that we we read that describe what each age group is to be like. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. Urge bond slaves to be, in subject, to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. You know, the most used word in this passage, uh, mainly, I don't know about the words is and the and all of that, but the, the ma- most used major word in this passage is to be sober, <coughs> excuse me, sober-minded, <coughs> sensible. That's a common word in this passage. Another common word in Titus is the idea of sound, sound doctrine, sound in the faith. So sound doctrine and common sense build championship families and churches. Did you see that? Now common sense is not all that common anymore, and it never has been, really. It has to be taught and modeled to be copied. 
Now, in the passage that we we just read from two translations of the Bible, the King James Version first and the New American Standard the second time, in those passages, I want to show you what we saw. From verses 2 through 8, those are about focus on the families. But did you know that often in that day, Families had servants. They had bond slaves, the lowest form of slavery. By the way, if you think America is some type of unusual country that had slavery and it's just this has just never been heard of, come on, get a grip. It wasn't right, and America changed that to our credit. But this is what I want you to know. In the day in which the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to Titus, it is estimated by people who know about these things, scholars, that fully 60 million people in the Roman Empire, and I'm guessing that's a low number, but at least 60 million people in the Roman Empire were bond slaves. They were owned by somebody in In fact, if you think about it, even though they didn't have a choice about that, obviously, it was, they were the employees of the day, if you want to just put it that way. So even they're told, if they're Christians, how they are to live so that they they are able, hopefully, to bring their masters to Christ. So even that's mentioned here in this passage. It's not endorsing it, It's, in fact, the Bible doesn't endorse it. It regulates it is what it does because there are obviously so many abuses in slavery. But that's another whole subject and there are many aspects to that that people um, ignore today in order to present their narrative. But anyway, these were people here in verse 9 who had no choice, but they had come to Christ. And so Paul tells them, here's how to, Live for Jesus in your difficult circumstances. But it was almost everybody in the Roman Empire. That's what I want you to wrap your mind around. So compared to Rome, America is a a wannabe in terms of slavery. So anyway, we're not saying that was good. We're just saying it existed, and Paul addressed it right here. Now, in the last half of chapter 2 in Titus, we we go there from verses 11 to 15 more into the rapture of the church, the coming of Christ to take his church home that I've covered in many other episodes on This Week in the Word. If you look back several months ago, even uh, maybe as long as a year ago and before that, you'll find series and standalone messages about the rapture of the church, the tribulation, the second coming, first uh, and second Thessalonians, places like that, uh, books of the Bible like that, that will explain it in more detail. But what I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to concentrate today just briefly on verses 1 through 9 of Titus 2. And next week, in next week's episode, we're going to come back and spend more time on verses 11 through 15 relating to the accountability of the rapture of the church. You see, if I think I'm about to meet the Lord, 
that changes how I live in my community, in my family, and at work. You get that? If, if you're about to meet Jesus sooner than you think, that will definitely have an effect on who you are and how you live if you know the Lord as your Savior and Lord. But we see here, as I mentioned, that the, the most often used major word in this passage we read today is the idea of being sober. And that doesn't mean not, you know, don't get drunk. Although he addresses that for sure to the, to the older women. And, and it said that has to be a requirement of pastors as well in chapter 1. But this most used major word, what does it mean? It means to be sensible. It's a very common word in that chapter we read. And as I mentioned, the idea of something being sound, like sound doctrine, sound in the faith, that's mentioned often in Titus. So when we combine those two things, as I mentioned a moment ago while I was choking to death, <laughs> is that sound doctrine and common sense, that's what being sober means, being sober-minded. It means being sensible, you know, spiritually speaking, which, which affects all of your life in every area. Sound doctrine and spiritual common sense build championship families and churches. And as I mentioned, common sense used to be a lot more common than it was, but it's never been, you know, everywhere. It has to be taught and modeled in order for somebody to pattern their life after that. So let me plug this in. If we're going to live counterculture, then I'm going to address this. Let me give some five examples here from each age group that we saw. And, and uh, well, four age groups we saw, and then the bond slaves, or what we might call today employees, because I know you feel like you slave at your job. All right, now, let's break this down. If we're going to be counterculture and, you know, protect our families and be strong churches and live lives that are, that are following the pattern laid down by our pastors and laid down by biblical people like Paul and Titus, and, and obviously our ultimate example, the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're going to do that in, in, in order to live counterculture, how do we plug that in? Well, here we go. Let's say you're a dad. And the truth is, even though you go to church and you say you're a Christian, you're a slave to sports. Ouch! Hey, I used to be. That's why I can spot it a hundred miles away. You are a slave to sports. Now, God's breaking us of that a little bit because most of us can no longer stomach a lot of the sports we see because of the political activism of the athletes, and they have no idea what they're doing. So, uh, a lot of NFL, NBA, MLB, and all that's going to be turned off, I'm predicting, by a lot of people who love their country. But, Dad, the truth is, you're a slave to sports and to your work. And, you know, the truth is, you don't even study current events and how they relate to what God says is going to happen in Bible prophecy you don't do that, so you can't teach your family. 
You can't discuss what's going on in the streets with your family and help them be sensible and sound in doctrine because you're too absorbed with sports or work or just sleeping all the time. I don't know what you do. And I'm going to challenge you straight up. You need to man up, dude, and assume the leadership that is your duty in your family. Now, some of you listening might not even be Christian dads and say, well, that doesn't apply to me. Let me tell you something. If you married a lady and you've got a family, you have a duty to lead that family. And it will be much easier if you become a follower of Jesus Christ. But mainly, I'm talking to those who, who attend church. You profess, sort of, you know, that you're a Christian, maybe, sort of, kind of. You know, if, if you join the military and they wanted to know what to put on your dog tag, like Jewish, Baptist, Muslim, whatever, you know, you would have to pick one. You would say, okay, Christian, because you're not Islamic and you're not uh, Jewish. Come on, man. Get a real faith. You know what I'm saying? But you're, but you're enslaved to things that keep your attention on things that don't matter and so you have no idea that your country is burning down around you right now and you can't even help your family understand what's going on. Man up and assume the leadership that is your duty. Call to duty, that's where it is right there, buddy, not on a video game. Maybe you're a son and maybe your dad that I just described is too absorbed in all that other stuff to notice what's going on with you, and you're starting to hang with a pretty rough crowd. So I'll tell you what he should be telling you. They're idiots. <laughs> get involved together with your dad or, or someone who will get involved with you in kickboxing or youth sports or restoring cars and maybe reselling them and put some money in your pocket and leave the people behind who are going to lead you down a road of destruction. Now, by the way, if you're a dad and you have a son and you see that in your son and you're not telling him that, you are failing, sir. Man up. Maybe you're a daughter. I'm going to tell you what your dad and your mom should have already told you, but for whatever reason, maybe they haven't. And if you're listening and you're a dad or mom and you've got a daughter like this, copy every word I say down and repeat it back to them with depth of feeling, <laughs> depth of emotion. You know, make it your own and tell them. But you're a daughter and nobody will tell you that that degree you're trying to get at will take your money, you, that degree in women's studies, that you want to pursue, nobody's going to pay you for that when you graduate. Are you kidding me? Come on, that, there's never been a more worthless degree. Not that, not that women are worthless, not saying that at all. Please don't misunderstand that. But the, the whole theme of women's studies will make you a mental nut job. You do not need to major in that. Major in something like being a doctor or a veterinarian or an electrician, electrical scientist, 
or, um, you know, get a business degree, you know, do something that somebody will pay you for when you graduate. Come on. Yep, I'm preaching. Maybe you're a younger mother. And by the way, if you're an older mother and you see that in your daughter, that's what you need to tell her looking her right in the eye because what I just said is true and you know it's true. You've got to, uh, you've got the woman up and you've got to assume that leadership of that younger woman, your daughter. All right, you see what I'm saying, how this works? And dad, if, if mom won't, you need to do it. And we do all of this in love, by the way. I'm smiling in Christian love, but my point is, it's way past time for some honest communication. We've got to teach and model what is right, sound doctrine that is from the Bible, and common sense so that our children and grandchildren can have a pattern to follow like Paul had the pattern for the tents. Let's say you're a younger mother, all right? Well, this is what an older mother should be telling you if they're walking every day with the Lord. Hey, you know, watching the view will turn you into a mental misfit as a wife and a mother. Change the channels to something else. Better yet, turn off the TV and listen to a podcast on business or family or finances or child raising or something useful that's filled with sound doctrine and common sense. And you know, not everything that we listen to has to be a, a like a Christian program. I mean, there's plenty, all truth is God's truth. If it's truly true, then, it, then it's true. Do you, you follow what I'm saying on that? So you can listen to something about how to invest and grow your money. If it's true, it's true. It doesn't have to be done by a, a uh, Christian teacher. If people can teach you how to start a business, you know, from your home and grow it, I mean, if it's true, it's true. And the same thing on raising children. But, you know, be careful because there's a lot of crazy stuff out there too. But when you combine it with sound doctrine of the Bible and common sense, you'll be, you'll be following the right way. You see what I'm saying? Now, for employees, I know we don't have any bond slaves out there because we're not talking to people who live in the Roman Empire or, uh, you know, the pre-Civil War South or any other place, hundreds of places around the world where slavery has existed. And by the way, it still exists in many places in the Middle East and other places. So um, it, a shameful thing that, that human trafficking is slavery. That's what it is. And it still exists. And some people are up to their eyeballs and trading in it. Just saying. Now, let's say though that you know, you're, not a, you're not literally a bond slave, but you are an employee and maybe you Maybe, you know, you think, well, I, I go to church and I say I'm a Christian. Well, let, me, let, me, uh, let me give you a checkup from the neck up. You say that you are a Christian, but your boss can't trust you 
and your customers don't like you. You need to do a checkup from the neck up and get with the Bible program. You may not even be saved. Or if you are, somewhere you took a, an exit ramp that's not on the map. You need to get back on the, on the right road of sound doctrine and common sense, and you need to be the kind of employee that your boss can trust and respect and if your boss is not even a Christian, one that gets him thinking about Jesus Christ and needing Christ as his own Savior Lord, because if he can do in his life what Jesus has done in your life, then he will want to know the Lord. You see that? And, you know, I know sometimes you can have difficult customers. Been there, done that, I get it. But if most of your customers think you're a slouch, you need to face reality. You need to find out who's responsible for this problem. And I can give you the fastest way to do that. Find a mirror. And when you're looking at yourself, you need to, you need to say, look, in Christ, I'm better than this. And I'm going to start today. I'm going to start being the Christian employee that my boss thought he was hiring when he hired me. And I'm going to be the type of Christian worker that makes people happy to deal with my company, that they enjoy dealing with me. You know, do that checkup from the neck up, and let's get on the right program. Now, here's an accountability check, and we mentioned it a few moments ago, and we'll look at it more next week. But in verse 11 and 12, and right there, especially verse 13, the blessed hope, that is the rapture of the church, the return of, the, of Christ for his bride, the church, that could happen, my friends, at any moment. And we could be in the presence of the Lord before any of us could ever imagine that. That will change how you conduct your life. You will become a different person when you understand that Christ is coming. And you know what? Even if you think it isn't going to be as soon as I think it's going to be, you never know. Tomorrow may be your last day on earth. You may not survive the night. You may live three more months and then your day to die comes up. I believe that we're born with a day to be born. And although uh, none of us know it, unless we're on death row, and that probably won't even happen anyway, nobody knows the day they're going to die. So think about what it means to say you're a Christian and be in the Lord's presence and have to give account to the Lord you know, that would just change how you live because you want to be able to turn in a good report. You want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, I thank you for listening today. And I feel like I've been a little bit all over the map, but I think the Lord will put it together in a way that blesses many of you. Some of you need to give your life to Christ today. Others of you who have already done that 
you know that you have wandered 300 yards off the playing field and you need to come back and get back in the game the right way. Others of you are doing the right thing. Keep on keeping on. Be a pattern for others to follow. You know, if you have spiritual questions or concerns, you can call a number that I'm going to give you here. I'm going to say it twice. Write it down. You can call this number and someone will help you with your spiritual questions, perhaps a decision to become a Christian or to grow in your Christian faith. Whatever need you may have, I want you to call this number. Here it is, 888-537-8720. Call today, someone will help you with your spiritual needs. I thank you so much for listening today. It is my honor and privilege. I have a wonderful time sharing the Word of God with you. I hope it blesses you. Please tell other people about our podcast, This Week in the Word. It can be found at dredhill.podbean.com. We're on iHeart Radio app. Uh, We're on iHeart Podcast. You can find us there. We're all over the place. Hey, the simplest way, just tell people, search for dredhill.podbean.com. They'll go right to the app where they can listen to this and many other episodes of This Week in God's Word. Thanks again. Have a great day. I look forward to teaching you again in the next episode.